Hello and welcome to JLGB Virtual We Are Live. As part of JLGB's recent adjustments to the coronavirus lockdown, we have been helping parents and young people stay entertained and active all online. In order to adapt our delivery to the government restrictions, on the 23rd of March, we launched JLGB Virtual, which runs every Monday to Thursday evening. This is our way of ensuring that we can continue to delight, inform and entertain young people so that they can have some fun, learn new skills and make a difference. Sessions include skills like magic, upcycling and coding. Physical activities and the focus of this podcast series, interviews with expert speakers from a range of backgrounds, including famous actors, social entrepreneurs, government ministers and many more. These interviews are run by young people like myself. So if you have any questions or want to get involved, please reach out to us on any social media platform. Just look for JLGBHQ and message us. We have so many exciting guests for you to listen to and we hope you'll join us live very soon. For now though, join us through our catalogue of guests. Today's guest is author, actor, comedian and writer of Little Britain and Come Fly With Me, David Walliams. Sit back, relax and I hope you enjoy. Oh boy, do we have an incredible guest for you all this evening. None other than the hilarious David Walliams. Whilst he really needs no introduction, he of course absolutely deserves one in true JLGB virtual style. So here goes. David Walliams is probably best known for his comedic sketch shows, Rock Profile, Little Britain and Come Fly With Me. Younger viewers, of course, also know him as a judge on Britain's Got Talent and for his incredible best-selling children's books, such as The Grandpa's Gate Escape and Billionaire Boy. Born in London, David grew up in Surrey and went to study drama at the Uni of Bristol during his uni holidays. David performed with the National Youth Theatre, where he met his future comedy partner and friend, Lucas, Matt Lucas. The pair were best known for Little Britain, which ran from 2003 to 2009 on the BBC, followed by an American adaptation and even developed into a live stage show. In 2008, David started writing children's books with his debut novel, The Boy in the Dress. Since then, David has written 14 books, been translated into 53 languages, and sold 37 million copies worldwide with a literary style compared to his writing idol, Roald Dahl. David was awarded the Children's Award in the inaugural People's Book Prize for Mr. Stink and won the Red House Children's Book Award for Gangster Granny and Ratburger. In 2012, he joined the ITV talent show, Britain's Got Talent's Judging Panel, alongside Amanda Holden, Alicia Dixon and Simon Cowell. In 2015, 18 and 19, he was recognised at the National Television Awards as best judge for his involvement in the series. David is also a phenomenal philanthropist and he has raised millions for charity, most notably for comic relief when he swam the English Channel and the Thames. In the 2017 Queen's Birthday Honours, David was awarded an OBE for his services to charity and the arts. We are so privileged that David has found the time to speak to us this evening, despite his very busy schedule. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome tonight's incredibly special guest, 
David Walliams OBE. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hi, welcome. How are you doing this evening? I'm, I'm doing absolutely wonderfully. I've just put my son to bed. He's oh. seven and a half. And um, I've got Ernie with me now, who's one of my doggies. And the other doggie's Bert, but he's being a bit shy. So he doesn't want to be on TV right now. But uh, Ernie's very happy to be here. Gorgeous dogs. Um, so how have you both, uh, Bert and Ernie and your son, um, how have you all been coping during this pandemic? Um, yeah, it's, well, I, I've enjoyed having the extra time with my son. And, um, and I also have a job. I'm writing most of the time and that I can do at home on my own. So, you know, I, I feel like I don't have a lot to complain about. Um, and I think it's a bit easier now. Now we sort of know when it's going to end and we can sort of get our heads around it. I think when it first started, it was overwhelming, wasn't it? Because we thought, is this going to be like 10 years or, you know, what's going to happen? But now I think because we're sort of coming out of it, I think, I, I don't know, I think people, there's a more optimistic feeling out there. So um, right now I feel positive. A hundred percent. I totally get that feeling. So we're so pleased to have you on our virtual JLGB programme tonight. And um, we've had such an unbelievable response from all the children and young people who want to ask you questions. So we've been boosting positivity and keeping children and their families active, healthy and entertained for 51 weeks since the first lockdown began last March. And now over 100 episodes later, we've been viewed online by nearly 3 million people. Thanks to the help of a special guest like you helping us each evening. So obviously you were nominated by London mayoral candidate, Sean Bailey. So um, what made you say yes? And why was it important for you to join us this evening? Um, well, I, I met Sean because I interviewed him um for a magazine and i got on really well with him i really liked him and um he said uh would you like to do this thing i said yeah of course i mean if people ask me i try and be as amenable as possible you know <laughs> i try and do as many things as i possibly can for people you know people get in touch and say can I, can you wish my nana a happy 100th birthday and i'm happy to do it um so uh you know if someone asks in a nice way i mean i think why why not you know and um and i know right now everybody really wants to connect with other people and we can't do it in a normal way so the good thing is in a way we, we because technology has allowed us to make these connections um it's we've met people that we wouldn't normally meet necessarily and, and we've spoken to people we wouldn't normally speak to and it's always been a positive experience so i'm glad to keep people entertained um this evening and um delighted to talk to you all um i also feel like i always i wish wished, wished i was jewish because all my favorite comedians are jewish um including matt lucas and um so i've always had a very strong connection with the jewish community and um and yeah, I'm obsessed with Mel Brooks as well, who's probably, the, the, I think of as the god of comedy. So I've always loved Jewish humour, um, always loved Jewish people and uh, its culture. And so, you know, I'm very chuffed you asked me. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's so lovely. Um, so we're all about acts of kindness here at JLGB. And we always ask our guests what they've been doing to help others during this difficult time. Of course, you've been involved in supporting many charities and campaigns, and you're an honorary trustee of Comic Relief. 
but is there a personal act of kindness you've been doing to help others during this um, pandemic? Um, I've just tried to reach out to as many people as I, as I can with my books and try to make everything as free as possible. So I've put lots of audio books out there for free to entertain people. Um, and, uh, you know, I've tried to send books as much, sign books to lots of charities and that kind of thing. And I've been doing things like um, free assemblies for schools and things. So I've just felt, I mean, I'd normally do it. I, normally I'd go to a school and of course I wouldn't charge people, but, but I'd normally go to a school and, and talk to the kids, but obviously I haven't been able to go into a school because schools have been closed. And so instead, you know, we've used this technology um, for good and try to, you know, try to keep people entertained and try and try and people keep people connected. And I suppose, especially kids, because I mean, if you're a kid, the last year might be, you know, 10% of your life. For me, it's one fiftieth of my life. But, you know, if you were like nine or 10, this has been a really, really long time. So as many things that can entertain you and distract you, the better. So I just kind of like to make people happy if I can. So uh, you know and, and I'm lucky I've got my books and comedy and those kind of things so I've just tried to make try to put everything out there for free as much as possible and and you know try to keep people entertained that's amazing so um let's go back to the beginning if I may um could you tell us about your childhood growing up did you have youth opportunities like JLGB that you were involved in that helped shape you because I heard that you were a Cub Scout, your sister was a Brownie, and your mum was a Brown Owl adult group leader. So could you tell mm. us about that? You have done your research. My <laughs> mum was a Brown Owl. She loved being a Brown Owl. But unfortunately, when you get to 60, you, you have to retire because they don't <laughs> want lots of very old ladies running, running Brownies. My mum was quite crushed because she loved it. Um, but uh, yes, I was a Cub Scout, then I was a Scout. Um, also, I went to school and I was in the National Youth Theatre of Great Britain, which is where I met Matt Lucas. So I had a lot of great experiences in school and outside school and lots of opportunities to perform, which is what I really love doing. And I seized on all those opportunities, you know, because sometimes I there's kids who ask me, oh, I'd like to be an actor. And I just say, well, take every opportunity you can, you know, every school play, every theatre group, um, you know, Cub Scout, you had an entertainment badge. And I remember doing sort of, Hawaiian dancing in a grass skirt to entertain people. <laughs> Quite why I wanted to do that, I don't know. But um, so, you know, I was very lucky to have all these opportunities um, to, you know, try and get better at the thing that I loved. And um, I think that's super important. You know, we don't start necessarily being great at something, do we? But the more we practice it, the better we get. And so I, I luckily had lots of opportunities to entertain people and I seized on them. And uh, hopefully I got better the more I went along. But, um, and you know, and something like National Youth Theatre was very important because I met Matt Lucas, who's a comic genius. And we were just two comedy fans uh, at first, you know, talking about all the shows and comedians we loved. And then we ended up wanting to work together and then we created some, some successful work. So, so I feel very fortunate um, to have been in those environments and met all these incredible people. That's so cool. So, um... I was going to ask, at what age did you know you wanted to be a comedian? Were you the class clown? Um, and who were your, I think you briefly mentioned them, but who were your comedy inspirations growing up? And were they uh, 
to you being a writer? That's quite uh, a good question. <laughs> a lot of good questions with that. Um, yeah, well, Mel Brooks movies, you know, The Producers, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, they were some of the first sort of slightly naughty comedy films that I'd ever seen, along with Monty Python. And so they were big influences on me. And, um, and I suppose I knew, I did a school play when I was about 12 years old. And I played this queen, Queen Henrietta Maria, in an operetta called All the King's Men. And it hadn't really occurred to me that I was gonna get laughs because I didn't really know what that would feel like. But I went out in this wedding dress and this wig and I put on this voice, you know, that I thought was quite queenly. And uh, there was lots of laughter from the audience. And I thought, well, this is a good feeling. I want to experience this again. And so from that moment on, all I was thinking about is when's the next time I can get up on stage? When's the next time I can try and make people laugh? So from a very early age, that's what I was trying to do. And at the same time, I was watching all these great things, uh, all these great movies, you know, it's from Mel Brooks, Monty Python, Peter Sellers, uh, and, and watching all their work and trying to learn from them as well. You know, listening to the records, you used to have comedy records, so you'd have an LP with sketches or stand up on it, and I would listen to them and memorize them and then practice them in front of the mirror and then do them for my friends. So I spent hours and hours and hours uh, on my own in my bedroom when I was a kid, uh, tr trying to learn how to be funny. That's such an amazing story. Um, as you probably know, we have a lot of audience questions. So we'll jump to um, all the children's questions. We, so first we have, sorry, um, Zara Collins, who is from Forum Hi, David. Hello. Um, so my question is, so obviously coronavirus has affected entertainment a lot, including No Britain's Got Talent this year, which I have sat in the audience for quite, quite a few times. So how has the pandemic like, affected all your work streams? And also, um, in Britain's Got Talent, when you make fun of, fun of Simon Cow, what's he like to work with and does he mind like your playfulness? Um, he, he, he can get upset about it. Sometimes he's in a really, really grumpy mood. And so just anything you say is annoying and not funny. And, um, and he just sort of looks at me like, oh, like that when I try and say something funny. And I say, I'm only trying to make your show better, Simon. I'm only trying to make you more money. Um, but yeah, it has been disappointing because Britain's Got Talent has been cancelled this year. I feel like the nature of the show with all the different acts, you know, and sometimes choirs and dance groups and that kind of thing. And also the show needs an audience really um, to succeed. So we're not going to be able to make the show this year, which is very disappointing. But um, other things have been happening and obviously I've been able to write my book. So it hasn't been too bad. Um, but I think it's probably better with something like Britain's Got Talent to wait until the time is right. Because I think if you did the show and it wasn't as good as it could be, the audience might be disappointed and they might not enjoy the show so much anymore and they might lose interest in it. So, uh, so yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, a lot of things obviously aren't happening. There's no theater happening. There's no live gigs. There's no corporate events. You know, there's no, nothing like that. Um, so I feel very lucky that I also have a career as a writer because I think without that, I'd, I'd be very lost. And I've got friends who are comedians and actors who 
barely worked a day in the last year and they have really struggled. So I, I feel fortunate that I have this other side to, to what I do. Thank you, Zara. Thank you. Thank you, Zara. Um, and now on to Hannah, who is 15 years old. Hi, David. Hello. My question is, where do you find inspiration for the characters in your books? And are any of them based on people that you know? That's a good question. Well, I always say to any budding writers, keep your eyes and ears open because you never know when a good idea might come along. And one time I was um, judging on Britain's Got Talent and this man came onto the stage and we, we said, what's your name? He went, Cockroach Ken. And we said, what's your skill? He went, I'm going to eat live cockroaches. And then one by one, he, he started eating these live cockroaches from a brown paper bag and he got buzzed off very quickly but I thought, oh, what an amazing character. He could be a baddie in one of my books. And what if he didn't just eat live cockroaches? What if he turned rats into burgers? What if he sold those burgers from a van to children? And I thought, oh yeah, I've got the start of a story here. And, um, and so yes, you can take things from real life, but I look at it like this. The idea, and sometimes you take it from real life, maybe it pops into your head, maybe it's something you observe. But the idea is like a seed. And from that seed, you've got to grow the tree which is the story. So you can't think that the seed is gonna be the whole thing, because it isn't. The seed is just your starting point. But once you've got the starting point, it's easier to grow that tree. So, so I hope that people understand that. And I think it's a good way of thinking about it. But ideas can come from anywhere. You can be sat on a bus and overhear a conversation and think, oh, that's, that's interesting. Or it can be a story someone tells you, something that happened to them in their childhood and you think, yeah, God, that, would, that would be a great starting point for a story. So, so really, you know, the writer is just always thinking whenever he has any or she has any experience, they're constantly thinking, would that make a good story? That's all they're thinking about all the time. When they meet anyone, anyone tells them anything. And I think if you're a writer, that's what you're doing. You're constantly thinking, would that be a good story? Would that be a good story? Would that be a good name for a character? That kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, keep your eyes and ears open at all times because you never know when a good idea might come along. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Um, so I'm sure that'll be really helpful for all the aspiring writers. Um, but next we have Viv, who is age 10. Hi, David. My questions for you are, would you consider making an, a book all about Raj and his news agent? And have you thought of making a Wallium Sictionary with all of your made up words? Okay, I think the force is very strong with you because you know a lot about my books. So thank you for that. Um, Raj maybe could have his own book if I had a good enough idea. He's the news agent character that appears in lots of my books in a sort of cameo role. But I think of him as maybe like, maybe he's like Q in the James Bond films. You really look forward to seeing him, but maybe if there was a whole movie about Q, it wouldn't be all that exciting. And second, a Walliams Ictionary will happen one day because I make up lots of silly words and put them in my books. And so, um, but when I've got enough of them, I will create a, a Walliams Dictionary. Obviously dictionaries have thousands of words in them. So I've probably got to write a few more books before I have one. But Aviv, you will, you will receive the very first copy. I will make sure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Aviv. So now on to Shiri, who is also 10 years old. Hi, David. How long does it take to write each book and how long does it take to write an audio book, I mean, um, record an audio book. These are good questions, Sherry. Um, you're a busy lady and you need to know how long things take. It takes a few months to write a book, 
Um, you need a good idea before you start. And when, once you start, it, it's hard when you're starting and then it kind of gets a bit easier the further you get along with the story. Um, but it normally takes me a few months and I do a few drafts, which means, you know, I, I hand the book in and then someone says, why don't you change this, this and this? And I change those things and then they say, oh, why don't you do this, this and this? And I do that too. So it's, there's lots of what we call drafts of the book. And an audio book, it depends how long the book is, but normally it takes a couple of days and you just sort of sit in this little booth. It's quite lonely. Um, and um, you eat Maltesers and drink tea and you read your story. And, uh, and sometimes you bump into other interesting people who are also recording a story next door and, uh, and you have lunch with them and, uh, and then you get back in the booth and do some more. So I like doing them and um, I know people will enjoy listening to them. So, so I'm pleased. Lots of people said, oh, we had a very long car journey. You know, we drove all the way to Edinburgh or something and we listened to your stories all the way. So, so I'm glad it's kept people entertained on long car journeys. Thank you, Shiri. Thank you, Shiri. Um, so now on to Guy, who is age 11. Hi, David. Hi, Guy. <laughs> Have how you had any setbacks in your career? If so, how did you overcome these? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I've had any setbacks in my career. Yes, I've had disappointments. I've had things where I haven't got jobs uh, or, you know, lost things that I've done, you know, like, and... I've had failures, you know, shows that people have thought weren't very good. And, and, you know, you feel like when you're in the middle of it, you're getting a bit of a kicking because you, uh, you know, you're used to people having a positive response to you. And then it's like you're getting a ne negative response. The thing you've got to do is just hold your nerve and be the best you can be. You know, I mean, you might be a really great actor, but you might just be in a bad film. And so I'm not saying I'm a good actor, but I'm just saying you might be. Um, even like great, great actors, comedians have all made films that haven't been successful. So uh, you just need to kind of just be the best you can be and then think ahead to the next thing and not let it get to you. And I think the thing about criticism is, um, the thing is you, you don't wanna spend a long time thinking about what everyone thinks about you because if you do, you've got to believe it all. So someone says, oh, you're fantastically funny, you're, you're a genius, and someone else goes, I don't find him funny at all. Well, you can't choose to just believe the good stuff or the bad stuff. You need to listen to yourself and your own sense of that. So when you find yourself, you know, you think people are kind of giving you a bit of a kicking, you just need to think, okay, well, um, you know, I think I'm talented and I'm going to, you know, get back on the horse and go to the next thing. And I think as a comedian, every comedian has had bad gigs. Every comedian at some stage in their life may have even been booed off stage. And the comedian is the person, the successful comedian is the person who wants to get back on the stage after they've been booed off. Now, if we've been booed off, most of us would think never again. Oh, it's humiliating, it's horrible. But if we still wanna get up onto the stage and we still wanna give it a go, then we've probably got what it takes. So I think, Guy, it's... Um, Whatever you do in life, it's like failure is always part of the story. It's what you do next. And if you carry on and you give it your best, then you're going to succeed. And, you know, the interesting thing is people forget about the failures. And you're generally only um, celebrated for your successes. I mean, Gaia, in that introduction, she very, very kindly mentioned the successful things I've done and didn't mention the other successful things, which largely have been forgotten. 
So um, just remember, you know, successes get celebrated and you just gotta, you've just got to get back on the horse and back out there and prove to everybody, you know, that you can do it. Thank you. Thank you, Guy. <laughs> so um, speaking of overcoming challenges, this pandemic, as we all know, has been truly awful, especially for the elderly and those of high risk, but it's also impacted children and young people too. And not being in school for months, as well as the uncertainty about exams, um, has had a serious toll on my and, uh, well, lots of young people's mental health, I think most people's mental health. So you've been very open and inspiring about your own depression and mental health issues. Do you think enough focus is being given to young people and mental health at this time? And would you say there's think, still a stigma to be open having a mental illness? Well, yes, it, it's, it's a difficult subject, isn't it? And also it's a difficult subject for people to talk about because it's still quite taboo. And the way which I mean by that is that some people find it uncomfortable to talk about it. But of course, it's our feelings and our feelings are what make us human and we have to share them. And, and so, you know, if you are feeling down, you've got to tell people about that because there's always people who love you and care about you who will want to make things right and want to help you and want to listen to you. And sometimes all you'll really need is someone to listen to you. You know, you don't need a, you know, there's not fairy godmothers who are going to wave a magic wand and make everything great. But sometimes just being listened to um, is enough and you articulating how you feel. But I don't think there is enough um, focus on it. I don't know whether it's because we're British and we're all a bit buttoned up and we feel uncomfortable talking about it, but we all have to get a lot better about sharing our feelings, talking about our feelings and, um, and being open when we're down. I think the problem is that when we're down in the dumps, we think we failed. You know, we think, oh, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm a bad person. I, I you know, I, 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 I'm weak, I'm this kind of thing. But it's not that. Everybody has these struggles in their lives. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And I always think, you know, if you broke your leg, you would go to hospital and sort it out. And at the same time, if, if something in your brain is, doesn't feel right, you should do the same thing, which is ask for help. It could be a friend. Um, it should, you know, it should be a grown-up, it should be the, a parent, your first, you know, call a teacher, whoever it is, um, you need to talk to someone and they need to help you or, or find someone who can help you. But um, the worst thing is suffering in silence. That's the absolute worst thing you can do is just bottle it all up and not talk to anybody. And, you know, all these kind of things that you're experiencing, especially when you're a teenager or a kid, you know, they, they are in all likelihood things that are that people have experienced before and that will be able to help you. You're never alone. So just make sure that you're, you try your best to, to talk to other people and share and share your problems and, and make sure you get the help that you need. And don't ever feel that you failed because you're feeling sad. It's, it's part of life. And um, it affects a great many people, many more than you could ever imagine. Totally agree. Um, thank you for that. So let's lighten the mood. Um, here's a quick fire round of questions because we have so many to go. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, so now we have Zora's age six. Go. What is your favourite thing to do after pandemic? 
What's my favourite thing to do after the pandemic? Well, I'm talking to my son tonight, and we've already been talking about going to Legoland, yes. doing crazy golf, and going to go ape, and also going to get ice cream from an ice cream parlour. So that's the things we've been thinking about. So fun stuff with my son, and thank you for buying all my books. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because that would have been for a starter in a restaurant. So thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, on to Sam Bernstein, age 10. Um, hi, David. Um, my question is, um, is it true that you are a guest editor on the B now, as I have had a subscription for four or five years now? And if so, what was it like? Well, I, I, I read the Beano when I was a kid, when I was your age, and I absolutely loved it. And it's probably the first thing that I read for pleasure myself, you know, because it's something, it's not the one that's something that teachers tell you to read or parents tell you to read, it's something you find for yourself. And I did get to guest edit it, and I was very pleased I got to do it. It was really, really fun, and I got to invent a little cartoon strip with, I think, monkey feet. And... Um, I, uh, I really enjoyed it and I just really enjoyed kind of tipping my hat to the Beano and saying thank you because without you I'd have probably never written the world's worst children books I may never have written any books and so I think it's a special thing and I'm really glad I think Dennis the Menace is like 70 this year and I've been reading about that so it's an incredibly enduring thing and I'm glad you're into it Sam and again Sam thank you for buying my books that they would have paid for a main course in a restaurant so thank you. Amazing. Okay, now on to Libby Barnett, who's 11 years old. Hi, David. Hi. How much has your own childhood played a part in the stories you've written? And also, when is your next book coming out? As I love the ones I've read so far and can't wait to read more. Well, thank you very much. Um, um, the, first, the first question was uh, my childhood yes and it's a big part of it because I think when you're a grown-up you're and you're writing books for kids you're constantly thinking uh you're trying to see the world through a child's eyes so you're thinking about your own childhood and so I think about incidents in my childhood the whole time and think would that be a good starting point for a story and my next book I think will probably be out maybe at the start of the summer holidays I'm still finishing it at the moment so I'm working on it right now so I think probably maybe sort of June, July, we'll have it out there. So I hope you enjoy it, Libby. <laughs> okay, great. So now Libby's youngest sister, uh, Eva Barnett, age nine, has a question too. Um, hi, David. Hello. Um, what is your favorite BGT act ever and why? Okay, so my favorite BGT act is a comedian called Jack Carroll. And if you didn't see him, because it was a few years ago, go onto YouTube and you can watch him. He auditionally was about 13 or 14. He's got cerebral palsy. So he walks with, um, uh, it's kind of, he has a support, you know, like a metal support with wheels that he walks with, a walker, I think is what's called. And um, he came on, he's got these dark, these, these little round glasses and this dark hair. And he said, I know what you're thinking. Harry Potter's had a really bad Quidditch accident and immediately put us all at ease and we're all laughing and he, it was brilliant. He was just such a great character. He turned something that could be a negative, which is having, having cerebral palsy. It must be a difficult thing to live with. He turned that into a positive as in, you know, he used it in his humor 
And, um, you know, after that, we became friends and uh, I've worked with him a few times. And he's now like 20 and we can hang out now and have a drink in the pub when pubs reopen. And uh, I really love him. I think he's a really special talent and he'll always, he's always been my favorite Britain's Got Talent act. So I don't know if he'll ever be better. But if you haven't seen him, look up Jack Carroll um, on YouTube, BGT YouTube, and he's an absolute star. We'll all be doing that, I'm sure. Okay, so we've still got lots to go. So Michael, age 10. Hit uh, David with your question. Hi, David. Hello. Um, of all the characters you have written, who is your favourite and why? Who's my favourite character? Well, I think villains are really important to stories. I always think, you know, without Voldemort, Harry Potter would just be having a lovely day at school. So villains are important, and I think it's important that villains are as funny as they are scary if you're writing a fun children's book. I mean, Voldemort isn't funny, but but he doesn't need to be. He just needs to be really, really scary. But the kind of book that I write, I sort of want there to be laughs along the way. So I do like the character of Bert in Ratburger, and I got to play him in an adaptation. And I thought he was hopefully equally funny and scary. And uh, I had a lot of fun writing him and playing him. So, so I'd say he's probably my favorite character, Michael. Amazing. Thank you, Michael. So, Next we have Chloe, also age 10. Hi David. Hello. So my question is, so you've been an actor, comedian, author, presenter and so much more, but which one is your favourite to do and why? Being an author is my favourite thing, Chloe, because it, I feel like books last sort of longer, you know, like, um, you know, I wrote The Boy in the Dress, my first children's book, like 13 years ago now, and, and kids are still reading it. Whereas television shows are a bit more disposable, you know, people tend to watch them when they're on and then they forget about them. But books, if you write a, a good book, it'll stay around for a long time. And, uh, and so, and I, I suppose in a way, a book is just something I do on my own. I mean, so there's an illustrator, but, but I, I, I do all the work on my own. And so therefore it feels a bit more personal, a bit more coming from me than, than if I work, make a television show with someone else. So I'd say the books are the most important things I do play. Thank you so much, Chloe. Um, okay, so finally, for the final audience questions, we have um, Isabella Page, who stayed up extra late to ask you this. Hi, David. Hello. I'm not allowed to watch it, but my dad tells me that your sketch show, Little Britain, is very funny. Have you ever considered doing a sketch show for children? That is a good question. Um, I'd love to do a sketch show for, for kids. The thing is that when Little Britain was on TV like 15 years ago, lots of kids watched it, um, but it wasn't meant for them, but in that way that lots of kids like watching things that are staying up late and watching things they shouldn't really watch. Um, uh, they watch Little Britain and um, and so there might be a few bits and pieces you might be able to watch. I mean, some of it's rude, but some of it you'd probably enjoy. Maybe you ask your dad if there's a sketch that he thinks you could watch without it um, ruining your childhood. Um, uh, but a sketch show for kids is a good idea. So, uh, that, yeah, that's great. I mean, Horrible Histories did, did, a, did that really well, didn't it? So there might be some way of doing maybe something around history or books or something. I don't know. But, um, but it's a very good idea, and I'll go away and think about that, Isabella, and, and I'll, you'll be the first to watch it 
if it happens. Thank you, Isabella. Okay, so now we have a final couple from me. Um, these are obviously, as everyone says, unprecedented times and the physical, mental health, economic and environmental impacts may affect us all for some time to come. But do you have hope for the future? And what would you say the positives are out, uh, coming out of this strange time in which we're all living in? Yes, I, I have hope for the future. I mean, the, the human race has been through worse things than this and, and come out the other side stronger. So I think it's as long as we learn lessons from this and try and ensure that we're not put back into this situation, then positive things can come from it. And um, what was the second part of the question? What am I, was it what am I most looking forward to? Or, no. um, it was the positives to come out of positives the positives is i think we this is an unusual thing it's affected everybody i mean sometimes you have bad things that happen in the world but it doesn't affect everybody this really has affected absolutely everybody in some way or another and so i think hopefully it may have even society out a bit you know as in we're all much more aware of each other's struggles and hopefully we'll help each other a lot more than we might have done you know people tend to like just live in their own bubble and do their own thing. But I feel like now we've seen, we've all been in this together and hopefully when we come out of it, we'll all sort of work together. Um, and the positives is I suppose we, we took so much for granted, you know, our freedoms for granted, you know, the ability to go out and meet friends and get together in people's houses and all that kind of thing. We just took it for granted. We had no idea that any of that could be taken away from us. And so, when we do get to experience life as it was, um, I'm hoping that people appreciate it a lot more, you know, appreciate the hug, appreciate the chance they can go and have a cup of tea with their grandma, appreciate, you know, um, going for a swim, whatever it is, um, you know, really not think, oh, this is, I just take all these things for granted and think, oh, actually, this is special, you know, this has been taken away from us, but now it's back. I realise just how happy this makes me. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. I think hopefully we'll all be able to empathise with each other a lot more after this. Um, so last question. We really appreciate you taking the time to answer all of these because we know you have to rush off soon. Right. Um, but finally, the big one, like we did with Sean Bailey, who then asked you, we always ask our guests to nominate and ask another celebrity to be a future guest on our programme and help entertain all the children and young people stuck at home. So if you've enjoyed tonight's experience, which we very much hope you have, um, is there any anyone you might be able to convince to join us? Who would you like to nominate? Perhaps Donald, Donald Matt Lucas or even Simon Cowell? Donald, Donald Trump, I think, uh, <laughs> great. Um, yeah. <laughs> very, very popular guy. Um, well, I, I would like to nominate Matt Lucas. Uh, he, I mean, he'd be great. He's a lot funnier than I am. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, he's, he's got loads of um, great stories and things. So I'm sure Matt would be very happy to do it and I will nominate him. Amazing. That's a very brave choice. So thank you. Um, wow, David, we simply cannot thank you enough for joining us this evening and for entertaining us all. That was incredible. Um, so again, thank you so much for taking the time to thank answer you. all of our questions. And Daya, you've done a brilliant, brilliant job tonight. <laughs> No, you're only 17 years old. It's like you're an absolute natural at this. Totally oh. unfazed, totally in control. 
<laughs> a lovely winning smile throughout. So Gaia, you've done a great, great job of holding this whole thing together. Well done. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, I'm going to hold on to that for forever now. So we've really loved hearing about your amazing life and career and receiving from you some amazing and thoughtful advice. Um, you really are such an inspiration to so many young people watching around the world. And I'm sure all of tonight's young questioners will remember this evening for many years to come, as I will. So on behalf of all the children, young people and families watching, thank you once again. Um, we wish you well and good luck with all that comes next. Please stay safe, take care, and we very much hope to see you again soon. <laughs> thank you everybody. Have a wonderful evening and children, you need to go to bed now. <laughs> you heard him, everyone. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. So that is it, folks. Thank you for joining us on this very special episode of Yard Be Virtual. Thank you so much for listening to Jersey Be Virtual. We are live. Take care of yourselves and stay safe, and we shall see you again soon.